Well, good morning and happy Mother's Day to everybody. I'm really excited about this uh, new series that we're doing right now. It's called Gifted on Purpose. And gifts are a really big part of my family's celebrations. We would always have a whole bunch of gifts. Every, every time someone would celebrate a birthday, they, we would have this one chair in our house in the corner, and then people would wake up in the morning and they would go downstairs and they would see just an entire chair full of gifts. Now, these gifts weren't necessarily always super expensive. It would be like, you know, a box of their favorite cereal or you know, $5 or, you know, something. But it was really a big important part of our celebration. And I'm assuming that today, for those of you who are celebrating Mother's Day, you're probably exchanging gifts. And so we're talking about a section, a few sections actually in the Word that are talking about what, what are called spiritual gifts. But the interesting thing is that the word gifts isn't actually in the translation. And so we're going to kind of cover over all of that. Today, I'm just going to give you 10 basic facts about what we call spiritual gifts. So it's kind of a little bit of an overview, a little bit of an intro. And um, I just wanted to let you know, for the most part, we're just going to be going through 1 Corinthians 12. And the first point that I want to make, now there's 10 of them, but I'm going to go pretty quickly. Um, the first one is that there is such a thing as what we call spiritual gifts. As I said, there's not that actual word in the, in the, word, in the uh, original language. It's pneumaticos, which means spiritual things. And I don't think that there's an apt word to really describe that in the English language. It's actually, it's, it's talking more about deep things that are placed within the very seed of a person, the very soul of a person. And these are things that are very unique, very specific. I mentioned last week uh, of how God creates things so uniquely. I mean, if you look up at those mountains, if you live here in Utah, you look up at the mountains, there's not a one that's alike another. And even, even snowflakes, they're all individual. How much more would the creator of the universe create those in his own image and make each and every one of us different and unique and special and each one a masterpiece? You know, human nature is to make everybody look the same, everybody act the same, everybody, the standard is always the same, like the standard of beauty. There's a certain standard, there's a certain look. But when the Lord created each and every one of us, he made us so special and so unique and so individual. And so I really want to talk about that today. Um, we're going to be talking about, oh, I'm in 2 Corinthians. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just need to reload my notes. Okay, so the first point is there is such a thing as spiritual gifts. Okay, it says here, 1 Corinthians 12, starting with verse 1. Now, dear Brothers and sisters, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities, this translation calls them special abilities, the pneumaticos, those unique individual spiritual things that are built within the fiber of your being. The Spirit gave these to us, and I don't want you to misunderstand this. Now, you know when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. I think it's interesting here, he talks about idols and he says they're speechless. 
Our God is a God who speaks. He still speaks to us today. And I'm hoping that during this series, he's going to speak to each and every one of you, and particularly to those who are doubting whether or not they have any kind of special, unique giftings or any blend of giftings. I want the Holy Spirit. That's been my prayer, is that the Lord would do something new in you. And I know that those who have walked with the Lord for a long time, you're probably thinking, oh, great, I've already heard this. I've heard this teaching how many times on spiritual gifts? I'm hoping that God will breathe fresh life into not only my teaching, but also into your receiving, into your hearing of it. Um, it there, are, there are three places where you can kind of look and find where the spiritual gifts are listed. This is not an exhaustive list, and it's not a specific list. It's just kind of a generalization of the kinds of gifts. But the Lord, as you know, he's made each one of us so unique and so individual, and he doesn't want to put us in a box. He wants us to be released, to be fully who we are. So the lists are in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 10, and 28 through 30, Romans 12, verses 6 through 8, and Ephesians 4. Verse 11. So the first point, again, is that there really actually are these spiritual gifts, these special abilities, special spiritual abilities. The second point is that there are different types of spiritual gifts. Okay, there are unique types. There are, the original language talks about diversities of gifts or distinctions of gifts, but it's the same spirit that's the source of all of them. There are different kinds of service but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does this work in all of us. Now, this is the point. These gifts are given to us by the Holy Spirit for the purpose and the, the sole purpose of edifying the body of Christ and giving him glory. So we, as the members of the body of Christ, are each used according to the purpose for which we have been created. So there are spiritual gifts. These are distinct and unique. And the third point is spiritual gifts are not for you. They are for other people. Now that's a weird one because usually when you get a gift, it's for you. It's on your birthday or it's on Christmas or Mother's Day or Veterans Day or Groundhog's Day or whatever, whenever you exchange gifts. Usually you're given a gift and it's for you. But spiritual gifts are not for us. They're for other people. They're to be given away. Now I think it's, it's interesting that the faith called Christianity is one that that really is all about losing your life for the sake of the kingdom. It's about laying down your life as our God and King Jesus Christ did. He laid down his life. So these spiritual gifts are for us to in turn give away in order to build others up, in order to serve others. And the third point is spiritual gifts are not for you. They are for other people. They're to help other people. Verse seven in 1 Corinthians 12 says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help others. That's the purpose of these spiritual gifts. I know I've talked to a lot of people who say, oh yeah, I know a lot of other people have spiritual gifts, but I don't really have spiritual gifts. I don't really have any spiritual gifts. And I wanna say, contraire, you do have spiritual gifts. The Lord has given you specific 
unique, distinct spiritual gifts. So if you're looking how to discover them in another person, you can't because they're, they are specifically built within you. And I want you to be encouraged by that because this says that God thought about you. In Psalm 139, when it talks about him forming you, he put these special abilities in you on purpose and so that you could live a life of purpose. Because the truth of the matter is you will not live a life of purpose unless you're functioning in the purpose for which you were created. Unless you're utilizing the gifts God has placed within you to serve others, you will never live a life of fulfillment. You will never be fully satisfied until you surrender those things over to the Lord and to be used for the purpose of building up the people that he loves so much. So the fourth point is, we all have spiritual gifts. So please, if you're one of those people that doesn't believe that you have spiritual gifts, just recognize that's a lie. The enemy of your soul wants you to believe that God hasn't given you any gifts. And so within the next few weeks, as we go on this journey together, my prayer for you is that you would discover what those special abilities, those unique and distinct abilities that he gave only to you and what they are and how they can be used to lift others up and to serve other people. We all have spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8, it says, To one person the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. This is sometimes called the word of wisdom. This is a word that it takes the truths of the Bible. It takes the truths of God's word and it applies them to practical situations. People who have the word of wisdom are the kind of people you want to talk to when you're confused about whatever it is that you happen to be going through. These are the kind of people that they're able to say, you know, I remember there's a scripture that says that this happens when this happens and it just applies. That's called word of wisdom. It says, and to another person, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The special knowledge that the Lord gives is really cool. I love this gift. Some people call this word of knowledge. This is one um, where you know something by the spirit of God that you would know no other way. It's, it's a way that God just drops something into your heart. I remember one time I met a young lady and she was really broken, and I just looked at her, and the Holy Spirit gave me a word of knowledge about her life. And I said, I'm not trying to intrude, but is this true of you? And she immediately broke down and started to cry. Now, I didn't know her situation. I didn't know what she was going through. But all I knew was that I felt this little prompting in my mind that said she is experiencing this because of a situation that happened in her life. And it ended up opening up a door for her to be able to get set free and to get delivered from this particular thing. And that's what a word of knowledge will do. It will, it will just give you this insight into somebody that you could have no other way. And I just want to say again, it is a spiritual gift. It's not something that you, it's not like witchcraft, okay? It's not like something that you just kind of make up or you're just shooting from the hip. It's an actual thing that the Lord does. Okay, so that's special knowledge. We're gonna talk about all of these in depth later on. Um, verse nine, it says, the same spirit gives great faith. This is the gift of faith. This is, this is for people who, they don't even understand why, but they just know that God's gonna come through. These are the kind of people you wanna hang out with well, you can't hang out with them because we're quarantined, but these are the kind of people you want to be in contact with when you're going through a really hard time because they just have the perspective that 
God is going to have the victory in this. God is going to be glorified in this. And, and, it, and we don't know how. We have no idea how this is going to happen. This is the gift of faith. And it says, and to someone else, the spirit gives a gift of healing. Well, this one is kind of self-explanatory. But this isn't talking just about like physical healings because everybody wants that gift, right? I mean, I want that gift. I want to be able to just lay hands on somebody and they, they're healed. Usually if I lay hands on somebody, they get sicker. So keep that in mind if you want me to pray for you. I've, I've, I've had the Lord use me in that way a few times, but that's probably not one of my top gifts. For some people it is. They actually legitimately have the gift of healing. By the way, just as a little aside, there are, uh, there's a belief system within Christianity and they believe that all of these spiritual gifts ceased with the first church. I am not a member of that particular belief system. I believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he still functions in all of these gifts. He uses each and every one of these gifts still today. Um, so I believe that he does heal. I believe that God can heal people. Um, verse 10 says he gives one person the power to perform miracles and to another the ability to prophesy. Okay, so we just sang about the miracle worker. God is ultimately the miracle worker, but he does sometimes impart the gift of miracles to people where they see things happen that could happen no other way other than by the spirit of the living God. Another one, the ability to prophesy. To prophesy means to speak truth. It doesn't, people always assume prophecy means you're predicting the future. That is one manifestation of prophecy. Sometimes you can know something that's going to take place in the future. Uh, many of you have probably seen that, the meme about David Wilkerson back in, I don't know, I can't remember, 1986, I think. He predicted a time where churches would be shut down, bars would be shut down, businesses would be shut down, people would be quarantined into their homes, there would be this, this plague that would come upon particularly New York City. It's pretty epic. That guy definitely had the gift of prophecy. And he, I mean, he knew things sometimes that were, that were crazy, that were, um, that were really unusual. But this is a spiritual gift. The Holy Spirit speaks to people and helps them predict the future. But also, the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to speak what is true. He also gives someone the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. You know, there are two worlds. There is the spirit of darkness and then there's the spirit of light. And people with the gift of what we call discernment are able to tell if something is of God or if something is demonic or from the dark side. People that have the gift of discernment, it's sometimes a little bit annoying because they sometimes see things that other people might not see. And the problem with the gift of discernment for some is that when, well, for all of these gifts, I think, but, but particularly for this gift, when you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, when you're not allowing the Lord to complete you and to fill you with his spirit and his presence and his truth by reading the word, the spirit of discernment can easily turn in to judgmentalism, which is a danger because God gives you the ability to see these things about people, but rather than that um, causing you to pray for them or to edify them, if you're not necessarily surrendered to the Lord, 
it will, you'll turn it around and it'll become judgment, which is not a spirit. It's not a gift of the spirit. I used to think that I had the gift of judgmentalism, but I found out that's not actually a spiritual gift. So um, there is the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages. Some versions call this tongues. Highly controversial. This is one of the most controversial topics in Christianity today. We are going to tackle this. We are going to dig into this. Um, I believe that there's still the gift of tongues today. And it says another is given the ability to interpret tongues. We're also going to talk about that. So we're going to get into that. Point number five, we do not get to handpick which gifts we have. You know, a lot of times we'll covet certain gifts. We'll, we'll say, oh, I wish I, well, like I just said, I wish I had the gift of healing or I wish I had the gift of wisdom. I wish I had the word, gift of knowledge or whatever. And it, we are to earnestly desire each and every spiritual gift, but we don't necessarily get to decide which gifts we have. We get to discover them. We get to allow the Holy Spirit to show us which gifts we have. Verse 11 says, it is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He, get this, he alone decides which gift each person should have. So while we want to, dis- we want to earnestly desire each and every gift, we want to seek the Lord, he alone is the one who determines which gifts we have. Point number six, your gift is essential for the body of Christ to be healthy. What this means is that If you are not serving other people, if you are not using your gifts and your special abilities to lay down your life and to serve other people, the entire body of Christ will suffer as a result of you not using your gifts. And you will suffer because you won't be walking in the purpose for which you were created. The only way, I'm going to say this again, the only way to be fully satisfied is to walk in the purpose for which you were created. And the way to walk in the purpose is to discover what your gifts and abilities are and to utilize them, to surrender them to the Lord and to serve other people. Verse 12 says, um, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, Some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves and some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit and we all share in the same spirit. This is a spiritual thing. Okay, point number seven, your gift. Now this is a significant point right here. Your gift is no more important or no less important than someone else's gift just because it's different. As I've said before, your gift is unique. Your your gift is different and it's special. Someone else might have another gift that you might think is insignificant. And we're gonna talk about this because this this is talking. I love this chapter because I think it's almost a little bit humorous because the Lord is talking about the body of Christ. Um, A couple of weeks ago, I broke my little pinky toe. And I don't know if you've ever broken your pinky toe, but It is excruciating. And you don't realize this little tiny toe, this little tiny body part, that it could A, create so much pain, and B, cause your entire body to kind of be off kilter. I mean, anytime you try to make a lateral movement, anytime you, you know, you're just, that little tiny pinky toe is so significant. Even though 
If you, if you, I mean, how many times have you been complimented on your pinky toe? I mean, people don't come up to you and go, you know, they say, hey, wow, your eyes are so beautiful, or your hair looks so good, or wow, it looks like you're, you're losing some weight, or it looks like you're bulking, or whatever, depending on which one is a compliment. But nobody ever comes up to you and goes, wow, your pinky toe is looking really good today. I mean, or they don't compliment you on, on your liver or, you know, some internal organ. They compliment people on what they visually see. But this part in, this, in the Bible talks about the other things, the other parts that are kind of more hidden. Verse 14 says, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm a hand, that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, well, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? How could you enjoy worship music if your whole body was just an eye? <laughs> I always think about that. You know, one time I, um, I overwore my contact lenses for like a long time, and I was actually blind for three days, and I realized at that point, you know, you always wonder, would I rather go deaf or rather go blind? Answer, neither. But... But I realized at that point that for me, hearing was more significant than seeing because I could still hear music and I could still communicate and I could still hear what other people were saying. That's just a, a personal thing. But imagine if your entire body could only see it, couldn't hear. Then, then obviously we would be missing out on a signif significant part of life. It says, if our bodies have any, oh wait, I forgot a verse. If your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts and God put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, only one body and the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. So point number eight, the lesser presentable presentable parts deserve special honor. These are the parts that the Bible talks about that are, there are different versions of what it says, but these are like the parts of the body that are kind of more hidden. It says in verse 22, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts that we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. And while the more honorable parts do not require special care, so God has put the body together such that the extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. These are the people that, if I were to mention their names, you wouldn't even know who I'm talking about because they don't want you to know who they are. They're the people that are... They're called the behind-the-scenes people. They love to serve, and they don't want any recognition. One of my heroes is a man in the Philippines named Kuya Dan. And Kuya Dan would come over to this little, uh, the, the area where the church was in one of our churches in the Philippines. He would get there at five in the morning and just start serving. He would be walking around just looking for things to do. And he did it completely unto the Lord. And those are the people that, that deserves special honor. So if you're the type of person and you feel like, well, I'm not a teacher or I don't have the gift of doing worship or I'm not very good at doing things that are upfront, you deserve special honor. Shout out to the people who deserve special honor because without you, 
the body of Christ could not function, absolutely could not function. I mean, you could live without me because there's tons of people that could teach, tons of people that can lead, but the people who are the behind the scenes people, like our amazing tech team that has worked their tails off all week to get this going. Shout out to the tech team. Love you guys. Woohoo! There's a, there's a rousing uh, cheers arising up in this room right now. <laughs> it says, it says, God has put the body together that the extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. I don't know if you've heard of a guy named Stephen Baldwin. He's one of the, the Baldwin brothers, the actors. He's the youngest one. He tells the most crazy story about how he came to know Jesus. He and his wife, they, uh, they were living the life, living the Hollywood life, and they had a maid who came and lived with them from Brazil. Her name was Augusta. And Augusta would come in every single day and she would sing at the top of her lungs. And they didn't, they didn't know what language she was, well, she was singing Portuguese, but they couldn't understand it, but they could hear her say Jesus. They kept hearing her say Jesus. She kept singing these worship songs. And so finally, one, one day, uh, Stephen Baldwin's wife went to this woman and said, why are you singing about Jesus all the time? And, and why are you so happy all the time? And Augusta burst out laughing. And she, and Stephen Baldwin's wife was kind of like, wait, what, why, what are you laughing at? Like, I'm your boss. You're totally, are you mocking me? And Augustus said, no, 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 I don't mean to be disrespectful, but you think I'm here to clean your house. But I know that I'm here for a deeper purpose because Augusta had received a prophetic word that she was going to begin to work for somebody who was going to have a significant ministry. And they were going to come to know the Lord through her worship and through her service. She's the kind of person that deserves special honor. I mean, Augusta doesn't get the glory. Stephen Baldwin and his wife, they kind of get the glory because they have, they have tons of ministries now and they're really effective in the kingdom of God. But it was Augusta there just cleaning their house and praying and interceding and worshiping. I just love that story. Um, point number nine, others' gifts are to be exercised and encouraged by us. This means when you see someone else who has a specific gift, we should each encourage those people to utilize their gift and to function in their gifts. We're going to get to a little list here in a minute. But verse 25 says, This makes harmony for the other members so that all the members care for each other. Doesn't this sound like the perfect scenario? It says, If one part suffer, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are the apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who can speak in unknown languages. There's just a little list of some of the different types of gifts. And the last point is we need to seek to discover what our individual gifts are. This is a really important thing. I hope I've made that point today to see that there's something special that God, he wants to give you like one of these gifts, that there's a, there's a unique gift that the Holy Spirit has, not just for your, for your pleasure and to be built up yourself, but to serve other people. And that is what we need to discover. Verse 29, are all apostles... Are, are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the ability to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Oh. 
Certainly not. It says, do we have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly get this. Please get this point. You should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. This is saying that whatever is needed at the time, let's say you're really broken and you're hurting and you're grieving. You probably don't want someone with the gift of prophecy because prophets tend to be a little bit blunt and sometimes they're, you know, they're just really black and white and they tell it like it is. What you want when you're, when you're feeling kind of broken and kind of hurt is you want someone with a, either a gift of mercy or a gift of healing or a gift of encouragement. You want somebody like that at that particular time. However, if you're in the middle of trying to make a decision, you probably want someone who has a gift of wisdom. In other words, there are gifts that are appropriate for each time, and we'll talk about that later as we go on into the series. But I love this. The last verse in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians is, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. And this goes into the passage that most people know whether they're believers or not. It's 1 Corinthians 13, where it says, if I speak in the tongue of men and of angels, but if I don't have love, I'm nothing. It's basically saying love is the most important way for us to live. And the most significant definition and expression of love was when God looked down on the earth and sent his own son in human form to become just like us, to live a life on the earth and to live a perfect life, to live a life without sin so that he could become the sacrifice so that we could be reconciled with our God who is a holy God. And God so loved the world, he gave Jesus, his one and only son, that all you have to do is believe that Jesus Christ went to the cross and paid the price for your sins. It says that if you believe that, that he died on the cross for your sins, and if you confess that he is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, it says you will be saved. And it's not just to say it and just to kind of think it as a fact, but to actually give your entire life up. You know, the life of Christianity, Jesus gave up his life so that we could live. And isn't it interesting that he gives us these gifts too so that we can give up our lives to him so that we can live. And that's really what the gospel is. The gospel is that you can be saved. 